Welcome back to another episode of the Ion Healthcare Podcast. I'm Corey Chapman, one of your hosts. Earlier this year, John Bartolovich and I, alongside VBCExhibitHall.com, hosted a webinar entitled, How a Shared Care Program Can Save People's Vision While Improving ROI, with our special guest, Dr. Wade Brocious. Dr. Brocious is currently the Medical Director of PMSI and Tandime Health, and he's been a family physician for the last 27 years. Please enjoy our conversation with Dr. Wade Brocious. Here is our third and final part with Dr. Brocious, the Q&A. Fantastic. Well, thank you, Dr. Brocious. We do appreciate you taking the time to join us today. Let's turn it back over to Garrett for our Q&A session. All right, guys. Well, yeah, no, this is a, this was a fascinating uh, conversation. I think it's something that's really important as well, uh, obviously. And uh, to reemphasize uh, what one of you guys had said, yeah, just do it. Uh, just go and uh, for your patients and for yourself, even you know, um, to to check that out. Uh, we did have a few questions that came in that I want to go through in no particular order here. And if you do have a question for any of the speakers, uh, go ahead and submit that now. And we'll get to, again, as many of those as we possibly can. So uh, starting again in no particular order here, uh, you talked about implementation a bit. Uh, how long did it actually take to be up and running? Well, it was really quick. Um, I will tell you that, first of all, Popcorn does a, a great job. They offered the opportunity to have both virtual as well as in-person training. Um, we took them up on both of those, quite honestly, because of new hires and, uh, and what's been happening with the work, uh, work staff over the course of the recent couple of years with COVID, you know, the, the great retirement, et cetera. Um, I will tell you that it did not take long after the training. Uh, truly, we tried to start up within the course of a week of, of getting people uh, screened in the office. Uh, again, I will tell you that, you know, the handheld, albeit not horrible, uh, not nearly as easy as the desktop. Um, because again, it, it's user dependent, right? Uh, and to a certain degree, you know, it, it's patient dependent as well. You really need to make sure you have the dark room with a handheld um, and you need to make sure that you have a proper angle. With the desktop, it, it's honestly, it's, it's almost foolproof, right? So I will tell you that we were up and running within the course of a week as far as being able to get the, the scans done. Um, so I would say it's pretty quick. Great. Uh, next question is, uh, could you talk a little bit more about uh, training and is it done in person, online? How does that work? Yeah, so like I said, it, it can be done both, um, both in person and uh, virtually. Like I said, we did both, but, um, you know, I think the ability to have the, if you can do it in person, it's always a little better, right? Because it's hands-on. You can make sure that you truly are getting the, 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 the chin inside the cup. You're trying to make the forehead up against the bar. Um, and if there's any problems, you learn about it firsthand right there, real time. So that way you can make sure that moving forward while you're doing your patients, uh, that, that there's not a problem. Because the good news for us is that uh, the, the folks in the offices were, were, were screening themselves, if you will, you know, uh, on the practice round. And then you had to take a look at the pictures and you could see, hey, listen, oh, well, I did this wrong or no, I did this perfect. So I know how to do it in the future. 
Yeah, interesting. Um, okay, next question is, uh, you talked about ROI. Uh, how difficult was it for you and your staff to deal with reimbursements? I know this is a burning question for me. All right, so not hard, but what we did really is two steps, right? Number one is we contacted our billing company. We made sure that we had the appropriate codes to them and confirmed, they confirmed for us that yes, these are appropriate codes for yeah. primary care screening. The second thing we did is we tried to run all of that by every one of our carriers because um, it makes it really difficult to remember, hey, you can do it with this company, but not with this company. I'm happy to say that the overwhelming majority, in fact, actually with only one exception, um, we were getting reimbursed. So um, it, it made it pretty darn easy. And we did that upfront before we even went live. That's great. Uh, okay, and next question. If, if yeah, I was just going to say, if I might add to that, uh, my team is always there to help clients like PMSI uh, pre and post sale when it comes to reimbursement questions, concerns. So um, we work as a team to, to help make sure that that's covered adequately. Great. And, uh, and let me know if any of these are repetitive, because uh, I'm just kind of... Uh, clicking through them here, because we got a lot that came in. Uh, next question is, is your vision screening device FDA approved and reimbursed by Medicare, and how much uh, money is reimbursed per visit? And again, you may have already uh, answered this one. So yes, yes, and it depends. So what happens is um, regarding the reimbursement, most companies, um, so Medicare Advantage plans, Medicare, et cetera, there is a straight fee schedule. However, there are some small variances, especially on Medicare Advantage, also remember that there is a fee out to the eye care professional that's doing the reading. However, that, uh, that fee is reduced by increasing amounts of volume. So uh, last year, right off the bat, truly on first year, we did more than a thousand. So we were able to take about five bucks off the total read of the, um, the each retinal scan. Um, and also you can even, they also allowed us to, if we wanted to, to um, discuss with our local um, community-based eye care professionals and negotiate our own rates so you'd have the opportunity to do that if you so desire great and i would just again add to that 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 rate is going to vary from state to state and actually mm -hmm. uh, even from locality to locality within the state uh, but cms coverage has been very very good that's true, John. Um, you know, in our local area, we were lucky enough that we actually all all of our sites fall in the metropolitan Philadelphia area, which is just a slight bump up compared to outside of the Philadelphia metropolitan area. Exactly. Great. Um, next question is, uh, what optical diseases are detected by an ophthalmologist doing a retinal screen versus the desktop model used by your staff? Well, listen, certainly there's no doubt that having a full dilated exam is a better screen, right? I mean, the reality is that um, if in fact there's abnormalities on the retinal screen in the office, the very first recommendation is, you know, well, don't just like assume this is fine. No, refer out to your local eye care specialist to begin with, right? Um, so the one thing I can tell you though, is we have gotten reports that it's not only uh, finding evidence of specific diabetic retinal disease, but they've actually given us some recommendations for people who have had um, hypertensive eye disease and other things, right? Because again, they're taking a look at the retinal picture. So yes, they're able to see things. And unless it's a normal exam, the recommendation is, hey, there's abnormalities, please refer the patient to their eye care specialist. Yeah, that's that's great. 
Oh, that's great advice. Yeah, I was just going to add that our, our reading center is able to uh, detect up to 30 different pathologies, uh, ranging from AMD to glaucoma suspect, increased cup mm -hmm. of know, things of that nature. From a reimbursement standpoint, though, only diabetic re uh, retinopathy is reimbursed. And again, just touching on the reimbursement, as Dr. Brocious alluded to earlier, fee-for-service is, you know, you're not going to get rich on that. Um, it, your real financial impact comes on the tail end with your HEDIS, your STARS, your risk adjustments. Yeah, and, and I would think to, to add to that, I mean, just the looking out for your patient population, because uh, there's a lot of uh, the, the, the body is a, is a full system and I'm sure there's, uh, you know, we're, we're caring for these, these individuals as human beings. And, uh, so, uh, looking out for their, their general health and their vision health is, is important as well. So, uh, next, uh, next question is, uh, what is your experience or success and or success in venturing into home-based care? So at PMSI, we have, um, a lot of separate um, entities in the big picture of what we do. We do some level home-based care. Uh, we also do um, chronic care management. We also do remote patient monitoring. We also have the opportunity recently we'll be starting up an imaging division specific to try and help the, the load of mammography because right now the wait time in our local geography is about three months for screenings. Um, so not just only home-based care, I think, but um, multiple other aspects fall under the umbrella of what primary care is doing. And again, that talks back to the point of, hey, well, this is really all shared care model, right? We're trying to make sure that we're able to deliver all these services where necessary, right? So again, you don't want to just enroll everybody just because you're trying to make a buck. It's really like, okay, well, for example, for chronic care management or remote patient monitoring, if the patients had hospitalization and rehospitalization because of CHF, that makes sense, right? Um, and so uh, I, I think that Retinal screening is one of those other things that we talked about is, is a perfect example of where the shared care model really comes into play. Great. Uh, this next question is uh, begins by saying this might be a crazy question, but I don't think it is a crazy question. Uh, it says, uh, can a tech or another trained professional do the test or does it have to be done by the physician who completes this exam? Well, usually when you start off like that, it is a crazy question, but this one is not, right? So this is actually, again, one of those examples where we're talking specifically that it really takes a village to have an appropriate run uh, medical office of, of any type right now, right? Um, I'm happy to say that no, the physician is not performing the test. Quite honestly, in our office, we have either office managers or uh, medical assistants that do it. I know some offices where they have LPNs or even RNs doing it, but I think you know, the training is so good and the difficulty getting the, the image is, is, is so low that um, everyone should be operating to the highest scope of their license, right? Um, in our offices, the, the reason that medical, uh, that the office managers can do it is almost all of them have been some type of healthcare professional that's worked their way up through the ranks to, to be medical office managers. Um, but yes, I do not know of one office in our entire group where it's a physician that's actually doing the test. No, that's really helpful. Um, very good. Yeah, not a crazy question. Uh, next question, is, you may or may not know this off the top of your head, but uh, what, CPT, what CPT codes are you using and CPT2 code? 
So I don't know it off the top of my head, but I'll leave that to John and or Corey because I'm 100 percent positive they they know. <laughs> yes, uh, typically uh, our clients tell us 92250 for the CPT code. Uh, some plans do ask for 92228, and I'm happy to have a, a live discussion with whoever is interested in that to go over that. CPT2 codes, there are seven different ones. Any of them can be utilized, but again, it's something we can discuss in a, li in a live conversation. The, the real key with the billing portion of this is you need three things. You need a CPT code, a CPT2 code, and an ICD-10 that demonstrates that the patient is a diabetic. And that is key because without that, no plan is going to cover it. Was I the only one that saw John's face light up when you said uh, CPT codes? <laughs> he was ready to go, Doctor. He was ready. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, very good. Uh, and the same individual actually asked this next question. Uh, can you expand on your ROI? How you were making money on this? And you all, and you mentioned the twenty-five dollars per screen and where you were getting that from. And I know you probably covered these at different times, but if you want to kind of reemphasize that. Um, well, basically the bottom line is uh, we have a, a reimbursement rate and minus the, the fee that we pay to the eye care professional uh, and the yield is about 25 bucks this year once we got over the, the thousand marker for, for um, screens done per calendar year. John, if you want to touch base, but again, again, it's, the reimbursement is different in each state and each locale. So the economics will be just a little bit different depending on where you're calling from. And again, this is one of those things where when I work with uh, providers in their offices, one of the things I typically ask for is what their payer mix is, because then that allows me to start to develop a pro forma uh, to help them understand what their reimbursement levels are going to be. And the, the providers and offices that really partner with us will get into discussions about what their uh you know, value-based contract situation looks like, what their compliance rate look like, what it takes for them to get to uh, achieving their bonus, say, for a HEDIS on the eye exam for diabetics. And the more information that the, the office is willing to share with us, the better and more accurate picture financially we can paint for them. But again, that's part of the service Topcom will provide. One of the things we did when we looked up um, how, just sort of a starting point is we went to Novitas. Novitas, you can easily access their website. You can type in the codes. It'll tell you what it is for your local geography. So at least that's a jumping off point um, to try and get a handle on what's going on. Exactly. Okay, moving right along here. Next question is, uh, what's an average financial impact on the back end Topcon screen provides from achieving HEDIS? I'd like to tell you, I can give you a direct answer, but remember that it's solely based on what your contract is, right? So unfortunately, uh, so PMSI participates in 14 value-based contracts, including our ACO, and it's not a, a straight answer for any of them. Uh, they all have just a small tweak on what they value. Um, but I can tell you that in regards to total points um, in value-based contracting, Things such as medication adherence for diabetes or, or statin use um, for diabetes or heart disease are triple weighted measures. Um, the retinal screen is generally one point for almost every company. 
Um, so, you know, it has to be part of your overall global diabetic management plan, right? So when we developed our, our pre-visit planning tool, what we tried to do is we tried to make sure that we hit every single one of those um, aspects because quite honestly, um, more times than not, you're paid based on your sort of average preheated stars uh, quality measures and even missing as little as one point could be detrimental to your overall score and therefore your finances. And again, it's all dependent on your individual contracts, but I do remember reading, I think it was the Kaiser Family Foundation uh, that said, you know, one HEDIS uh, measure can be worth six figures to a practice. But again, that's all going to depend on what your bonuses are and uh, what the contract reads. And even your patient volume, right? So depending on how many people are enrolled in your Medicare Advantage organization or straight Medicare and ACOs, et cetera, the, all those things uh, play a factor in the total number at the end. Right. A hundred patients in, in value-based contract obviously is not going to be worth as much as a thousand patients in a value-based contract. Mm -hmm. Great. Uh, next question is actually more of a statement and it's a little bit uh, lengthy, so I'll paraphrase here. It says, uh, we have TopCon, uh, have had it for about a year and we don't have a super high volume we use the desktop model it works great multi-specialty group and our endocrinology providers love it very easy to use uh she mentions uh some different challenges they've had at different times with support but says uh, this has helped us absolutely immensely with our quality metrics so um great to hear feedback like that absolutely and again i promise you know the, the listeners that um, if they just do it as well, they'll have that same type of response. It, it is very easy to implement. It, it is very easy to, to um, check off the, the quality measure. Uh, and most importantly, don't forget that this is really all about appropriate care of the patient and, and delivering the highest level of quality care for the patient. So, you know, think about how great you feel if you just save one person from needing needles in their eye, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, very good. Yeah, thank you for, for that comment. Yeah, I think this historical data out there shows that one in 10 diabetics is currently at some level of sight-threatening disease pathology right now. Uh, and you know, when you look at the figures, 50% of those are going undetected because nationally we're at roughly a 50% compliance rate. Wow. Um, next question is, uh, is the exam something that you've marketed to patients in a specific way or like, did you outreach to a specific population to make appointments for the exam or is it just an added benefit during an annual physical? Wow, that's a loaded question just because of how it was worded. So we don't only do these <laughs> at annual wellness visits, right, uh, or comprehensive physical exams. It's done truly at the very first visit of the calendar year for most folks. Okay. Um, do we market it? No, but they are aware of the fact that we do have the machine. Um, you'd be surprised at how quickly word of mouth, uh, you know, gets around town when when people are getting service and especially a high level quality of service where they feel that they're, they're really being cared for the best way that they can. Um, in regards to, you know, are we trying to market it? It's not just that, because quite honestly, again, we built it into our our pre-visit planning tool so that if someone is diabetic that we ask that same type of question every single time, right? Mm -hmm. So it, it's not like it's there's something hard about it. Um, when we developed a pre-visit planning tool, we try to, to sort of make it where it's fully comprehensive that independent of which carrier it is, 
that were sort of collecting all the information for all those measures. And in my mind, it was easy. Why? Because the heat of stars measures are, are set up because it really is evidence-based. Um, and the question is, well, you know, just because one company decided to do one and not the other, and the second one picked B and not A, you know, should we just say we're only going to be delivering these quality standards across to, you know, with, based on the care? And our thought was, no, we really need, should be asking all these stuff for the same people, every person that comes through the door. So it wasn't specifically marketed, um, but I think it's something that's done universally. It was an easy workflow to implement. It sounds like you treat this almost like a, a, uh, a vital sign when the, the diabetic patient comes in. It, it really is. And again, you know, it's the same. So in the preventive planning tool, John, what we do is um, we try and put all the quality measures. So whether it be immunizations or cancer screenings, um, you know, and other things that aren't necessarily sent for, but we do fall risk screenings and we do depression screenings and all these other things all built into that same tool. Um, but yeah, this is something that's done for every diabetic patient every year. That's great. Uh, next question is, uh, what is your ACO quality score on retinal exam and diabetes management? So thankfully, one of the things we don't have to have is we don't um, have to have that selected for a quality measure for our ACO. Uh, so I'd be lying if I can give you that. Quite honestly, our ACO is focusing on um, hypertension as their quality measure. So, but I can tell you that um, we are in sort of the 80 to 85th percentile, depending on which carrier we're at, for our measures for our Medicare Advantage organizations. Wonderful. And then the last question here is, uh, have you seen an uptick in activity or uh, diagnosis uh, since and during the pandemic? So an uptick in what type of diagnosis? I just want to make sure I'm accurate on this, Garrett. Yes. Uh, so I guess uh, to clarify, that would be uh, what maybe effect, or to rephrase the question, what effect has the pandemic had on outcomes? Well, a couple of things. I mean, number one is, uh, you know, we rapidly transitioned from in-person visits to health, telehealth visits um, within the course of one to two weeks. So it was relatively quick for an organization our side. Um, and we did it by uh, simply taking, there's like a list of 22 chronic conditions that we were able to sort of pull out and say, well, who hasn't been here within the course of the past three to six months? Let's have outreach. Mm -hmm. um, I can tell you that globally, if you take a look, you'll see that there has been a dramatic um, Incidence uh, reduction in incidence of, of appropriate screenings, right? So unfortunately, there has been an uptick in diagnoses of things such as cancers, um, colorectal cancer, breast cancer, et cetera, because those screenings were not done during that time. That's a real shame. Mm -hmm. um, and again, the good news is that once we were able to get people back into the office comfortably, uh, and for those that were, were happy to come in to begin with, um, it was business as usual for us as far as doing our retinal screenings, right? Because um, there's, it's, it's very easy to quickly clean up the machine and make sure things are good and you're not going to be worried about transmission of, of infection from one person to another. So um, hopefully that answers that question because, again, it's a little bit of an interesting question. But I, I think in particular, if you're talking about screenings and therefore increasing amounts of disease states, it, it's pretty well documented that because of the reduction in screenings that were being performed, there has been an uptick in, in more significant pathology. Thank you to Dr. Wade Brocious, as well as the team at vbcexhibithall.com 
This has been another episode of the Ion Healthcare Podcast. For John Bartolovich, I'm Corey Chapman. We'll see you next time.